Welcome to It's Mercedes, honest conversations for freedom-minded women. I'm your host, Mercedes, founder of Libertas Sisters, and every episode I invite a guest to discuss topics such as femininity, relationships, the culture war, self-reliance, politics, and freedom. And let's be honest, whatever else I'm in the mood for. So pop in those headphones, pour yourself a beverage, and settle in. Let's get this episode started. Wait, how do I pronounce your last name? Uh, Mastrini. It's spelled wrong. Yeah, from Ellis Island. So it's Mastrini. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Today, I want to welcome Amy Mastrini. She is an artist, a marketing professional, and a contributor to EV Magazine, where she discusses and shares a lot about her ideas of virtue, truth, and beauty. So today, I want to talk about her art, what inspires her, and her musings and thoughts on feminism and art. So welcome, Amy. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm excited to have every guest because really anybody who will have a conversation and just dialogue is a good time in my book. So I want to kind of give an opportunity for you to introduce yourself to our listeners and kind of let everybody know a little bit about yourself. Sure. Okay. I have kind of a a funny bio. Um, So my name's Amy Mastrini. Um, I'm an identical twin. Um, You're interviewing her shortly after this. Yeah, Yeah. which we totally made that connection like five minutes ago. (laughs) Yeah, she didn't know that it was my twin, um, that she also asked for an interview. So that's hilarious. Um, So yeah, I'm an identical twin. I'm uh, an artist. Um, I'm an oil painter mostly, but I also do fire dancing um, with my twin. We do these little performances and um, like at weddings and, and events and things like that. And I'm also a writer. I write for uh, EV Magazine and I have a Twitter account, if that counts as writing. Um, <laughs> and that's where I promote my art in my, in my EV writing. So, Well, and I've, I've been following, of course, I've read your articles and I was also checking out your artwork. And um, I was fascinated by uh, your artwork has very traditional kind of feminine feelings to it is kind of what I get. And I almost see like almost a religious aspect to it. I don't know if that's fair to say, especially because yes. it you use like the halos sometimes, which I don't even know from what era that is because I am not artistically competent. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah. how would you describe your artwork and when you are painting, what is it in particular that inspires you in regards to your artwork? Oh, I love this question. So um, people, other people have described my art and these are terms I like as like feminine and um, I've heard whimsical and um, spiritual and representational. So that means it's not abstract. I really don't like abstract art. I like like- Which is something else we're going to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, I can't wait to get into that. Um, I have strong opinions. So yeah, I like form and like uh, maybe a little bit of like whimsy or like surrealness. Um, And, but lately, yeah, I've been doing a lot of uh, religious work. Um, Like I'm been getting into iconography and, you know, the, the gold halos, like you said, those are very old. I think, I don't even know when that started, I guess the Byzantine era. Um, but the, it's kind of funny because I liked doing these halos and then I converted into uh, Christian orthodoxy and a huge part of their religion and iconography is these gold halos. And I'm like, Oh, that oh, makes so sense. <laughs> you painting the halos came first before you converted to 
Christian orthodoxy? Yeah, it's kind of chicken or the egg. I guess maybe I was just kind of always orthodox, like inherently. I don't know. I'm like, oh, wait, this is perfect. Like, I guess I was always trying to get back to this. Um, it's sort of my lineage. I'm like Greek and Italian. So um, maybe it's just like in my blood or something like to like, <laughs> like paint and make things. But um, what was your second question? It was. So I was just curious, that? like, what is it in particular that inspires your artwork? You know what I mean? Like, mm. I, I'm guessing because, you know, your orthodoxy probably has a good aspect of it. But just in, I don't want to put any words in your mouth. Just in general, like, what is it that usually inspires you to paint? And when you all just side note, when you say whimsy, like mm-hmm. what aspect or what do you mean by whimsy um whimsical I guess that's kind of where the femininity comes in like playful my art kind of playful none of it like not all of it some of it's serious but um I paint a lot of like mermaids and like I use a lot of color and um I I like experiment with like like fairy wings and like stuff like that which I guess is like just like I don't know. I like, like your, almost. Yeah, I like mythology. I like Greek mythology and like European fairy tales and like magical elements and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, w- as far as what inspires me, um, it's funny. I, I hear a lot of creatives say this and I'm one of them who's going to repeat it. I feel like I have to create, like, I, I feel like this might be gross, like spiritually constipated. If I don't make art, like <laughs> I'm like, I have to make things or I don't feel well. And I have heard like figures like Jordan Peterson explore this. And they say that creatives are like this, like they feel this like kind of inherent urge to do it. And um, I've always had that. I've always just like had this like inner urge and draw to draw and paint. And um, I, I can't explain it. It's just like, like in me. And I'm just like, I really want to do this. And Um, I'm really grateful for that because I know a lot of people, they kind of want to, but they like can't get themselves to do it. And it's easy for me. Well, And that's exactly what I was going to say, because that kind of creativity like fascinates me because I, I consider myself to have some creative abilities. You know, I was a chef for a time. I created with food. I like home decor, but it's, I am definitely much more, I guess, left brain, is that the right side of my, like more analytical, more Mm -hmm. structured. So I need some type of rules for me to create something like just Mm -hmm. to kind of do it out of the nothing, um, is not a strong point of mine. Mm -hmm. And I think to myself, like you almost romanticize, like how cool would it be to just, you know, be able to write or be able to, you know, create music or paint. And I, it's, it's just not there. I love information. Like I mm. feel that like people almost think I'm a little nuts. Like I am constantly consuming information. I, I literally, I have to Google it. I have to find it. I have to know everything. Um, and that to me is something that is like an inherent need. Um, so maybe I can kind of compare it to that. Cause I can't even, when people tell me like, they don't know something, I'm like, how do you not know? <laughs> <laughs> You can look it up. Yeah. How do you not know? How can you not be interested? How can that not like, you know, drive you? But we're all different in that aspect. Like not everybody needs to know everything. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's just different types of people. Because I used to be the same way. I used to be like, why doesn't everyone just want to paint and draw all the time? Like, that's all I want to do. And then other people don't. And I'm like, oh, because they're just like different people. (laughs) Imagine that we could be different. Yeah. A lot of your, because your artwork has a lot of these like feminine aspects and stuff, and you do actually write quite a bit about feminism and femininity with Evie magazine. Art has become 
I guess, kind of subjective or almost like this weird sort of free for all um, where I, I guess it's like postmodern, you know, mm. and I just wonder if you believe in specifically like your views with feminism and artwork, do you think they've had an effect on each other in that sense? Like what effects do you think maybe feminism has had on art? Oh, that's, that's a good question. Yeah. I guess like this, like feminism pushes this idea that like women can be absolutely anything they want to be. They can even be a man. Like there, there's like really no boundaries with feminism anymore. Like I think it used to have more uh, boundaries around like what it was about and what it wasn't, but feminism itself is kind of a free for all at this point where we're not even really like defining like what a woman is. What anymore. a woman is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, so in that way, I guess you could draw the connection to like the art that we're seeing in this era as well, which is um, there's absolutely no rules around that either. Like there's no technique you have to do. There's no, like nothing you really have to like learn before you, there's a saying in art you should know the rules before you break them um i think you should just like know some rules like and maybe not even break too many of them <laughs> like i don't know i guess i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty orderly even though i'm creative like i'm very process oriented in my art but um i think that like art today it's just it's a lot of it's political and um for shock value and to provoke and to me that's not art that's something else that's like it's activism it's activism. Yeah. And I don't think art is political. People ask me this a lot. And I'm like, I don't think actual art is political. I think it's transcendent. I think it like the, it elevates the viewer to like a higher place. It makes you feel uplifted. Like there's something beyond this like mortal coil coil. Right. Um, I think that's what good art does and real art does. So if it's just like making a political point, it's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm like, I'm a little more nuanced than that. Like I'm sure there are great oil paintings made of like political uh, scenes in like the 1800s and stuff. Yeah. Like, but you're talking specifically about like what we're in, like what we're dealing now. with today, <laughs> now, like in our modern mm -hmm. times. And I wonder if, because I've had some discussions with some of my friends and stuff like that in regards to, because the idea, like, especially with art or anything that is expressive or creative is like a free for all. You know what I mean? Yeah. That we shouldn't have boundaries, that there should be a free for all, which also creates an, a subjective view on what is actually good art, what is actually tasteful. Um, and mm -hmm. I believe that, I mean, I guess like you can maybe simply say that that idea is like, yeah, that's free and wild and whatever. But in its essence, I find it to be more, it, it leaks into chaos. You yes. know what I mean? It becomes chaotic. And then in chaos, you almost, it's almost like you have too much freedom that you're overwhelmed and you can't like choose a path. You know what I mean? And chaos yeah. eventually leads into destruction. Those yes. are my views. Like, do you see that in regards to artwork? Like, and maybe possibly that's kind of why art's gotten a little weird for lack of a better word. <laughs> I would say it's gotten downright bad. Like it's not even good anymore. Um, I agree with you completely that the chaos leads to the just, I think it actually leads to kind of like nothingness. Like it just leads to this place where like, we don't know where we are. We have no map. We have no reference. Like there's nothing to hold on to really. It's just this, like everything just becomes like nothingness really. It's like, it's like lack of definition. Destructive and chaos is like, sounds depressing, but nothingness sounds even more like existentially scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It just, it's a little scary. Yeah. It's, um, 
I don't know. I think that it's just gone too far. I mean, like maybe art is subjective a little, but it's not this, it's not completely relative. Like everyone wants to, to say that it is. I stayed in an Airbnb this um, past weekend in Austin, Texas, and the art around the Airbnb was the epitome of postmodern kitsch. Like it was just offensive. Like there was a sign that said, if, if, if you were in my novel, I'd have killed you by now. It's like, okay. We like flipped it over. There was a, um, uh, another sign that said art has no God. And I was like, totally disagree with that. You know, um, that's, and that's so, just so negative. And like, what, what are you trying to say with that? Like that art, it doesn't matter. I think that that's it's such a nihilistic. nihilistic. Yeah. It's such a nihilistic statement. Like everything in this Airbnb was like that. It was like weird faces that like were distorted that looked like non-human. Like I have a big issue also with like the distortion of the human body and, and st- in a way that makes it grotesque. It's kind of like, unholy to me. Um, but I can't, I can't separate my spiritual beliefs from my art. Like art is a spiritual practice to me. Um, and it's a communion with God. So like I have that viewpoint and I feel pretty strongly about that. I'm sure like that, that's just, that's just how I think. I think that you're like, you're working with some spiritual realm when you make art, maybe that sounds woo woo to people, but like, I do think that's how creation happens. Like you have to kind of commune with something. It's like, are you creating from a place of like goodness and like trying to make things sacred? Or are you creating up from a place of trying to mock things and destroy them and like make them unrecognizable and well, or confusing and for people? Going back to what you said earlier about how artwork is something that's more like at a higher plane, more existent, like it's outside of yourself to reach a certain you know, like spiritual plane and where that falls for different people. Like there's people that are spiritual, there's people that are Christian, you know, that's not really where I'm going with it. But Mm -hmm. if you think that artwork could potentially lead you to a higher plane in the sense of the positive, well, then you could also argue that there is artwork that can do the complete opposite. And yeah. And I think that when you take in that type of imagery that is distorting or, you know, violent or, you know, just anything along those more negative feels, feelings or views that you're, you're ending up in a less desirable. I mean, you can almost say demonic presence. Maybe that's partly why it bothers you or. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like I always say, you know, you have like a visual diet, like you eat not only with your mouth, like you eat with your eyes too. That's kind of the only way I can put it. Um, So like what you consume with your eyes is going to affect your psyche and your mind and and, and your soul. Like it it affects you and it, um, it will, maybe you won't notice it at first, but it's like, you have to be, especially in this era, like very careful, like what you're looking at, because I do think it has an effect on you. It can like, you know, if it's, it it can uplift you make you feel like life is worth living. And like, um, there's something beyond this world, even that's, that's great. Or it can make you feel like things are ugly and it's not very good here. And like, why should I even try? And like, this, this doesn't matter. I really think that I have a strong sensitivity to like what I look at. And I think other people have that sensitivity, like everyone does, but not everyone's is, um, has it as finely tuned, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's different. Like I, Mm -hmm. I always joke, this is like a side track or whatever, but I joke with my friends that if I was ever in a car accident and somebody got a hold of my phone and they look through like the podcasts and things that I listen to, (laughs) it's like serial murderers, uh, cults, (laughs) politics, 
um, okay. I have that side of me too. I don't want to be, I'm not like a Puritan either. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like everything has to be like, absolutely perfect. Like I explore the dark side and like, I like, no, some but dark I'm just art. saying like, I almost consume an unhealthy amount as opposed to like, <laughs> some of my friends are like, like they also consume it, but they're like, you need to take a break sometimes. <laughs> That's fair advice. They're looking out for you. That's good. I'm like, I'm working on it. It's just, it doesn't, there's certain things that just doesn't, don't bother me um, in that Mm -hmm. sense. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of funny to me. So, you know, we're talking about like how you take in art and how it can affect you. And honestly, those effects, I don't think you have to be of any religious denomination specifically in order to acknowledge that what you see and what you take in can affect you emotionally and your psyche and everything. And not to mention that as you persistently see things that are progressively worse, they can almost numb you and and allow you to like consume things that get even worse. Like they just get, it doesn't get better. It just gets progressively worse. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm just wondering if you feel that Like you would think that, you know, we talked about how artwork can also be activism and how typically I I think you can debate me on this, but the left will tend to use art and art mediums to promote their ideologies and their views and their politics and to influence, you know, the viewers uh, views and politics. And it just seems like people who are more traditional, conservative, don't have that strength? Is it that they don't have that strength or there's not enough of them? Or do you think that they just don't feel that art should be used that way? Or, and can we even do that? Like, can we maybe turn it around and use it for more traditional virtuous uh, views? I I do think the right needs more creative activity, I guess. Like I, I, I feel a little like there were so many artists when I was on the left. I used to be a feminist and um, I was just surrounded by people making art all the time. When I started to change my values a little, lean more to the right, I that started to drop off. They exist though. I've connected with them, but um, there's not as many as, of them. And like, I would say their art is more personal and less uh, political. So like you see this kind of like kitschy leftist art everywhere. Like I posted it once on my Twitter. It's like, it's like this uh, vectored like image of like AOC and it's all flattened. And like, I'm not sure if you know what I'm talking about, but I I see it everywhere, like coast to coast. Yeah. It's in every like bookstore. And, and I I, like, to me, that's, that's just propaganda. It's not even art because there wasn't really any skill involved anyway. You just took an image into Photoshop and flattened it. And like, that's all you did. Which is like a whole other thing when we talk about art in the digital space. Absolutely. (laughs) Right. So yeah, I think that, um, I don't know. I think the right needs to like, they do need to be a little like, I don't know, cooler, maybe like, or hipper or something like, you know, I debate this sometimes because I'm like, what is it? You know what I mean? Is it that there's not enough? Is it that because you're more traditional, you tend to be maybe a little bit more reserved or is it Mm -hmm. that what the left is putting out is more eye-catching? You know what I mean? Like if you were to Mm -hmm. put something that's traditional next to, I don't know, something that's like, like a vector that will pop a color and has Mm -hmm. like this font across it, like what catches your eye more. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I wonder if it's also that, and it's just maybe like we, we need to push our creativity. I really have no idea, but I I feel like there is definitely, there's no question that 
culture is downwind of politics. So we do need Mm -hmm. in some aspect in order to get messaging or views across, it's not just what's being debated on the house floor or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, right. Exactly. <laughs> and especially for young people, I think, cause I think really young people like go towards the left. Cause like, that's where it looks like the party is like, they've got the colors and like, they've got all this like cool imagery and stuff like that. And then they maybe see the right as like boring. And like, but I think the difference is that like, maybe, I don't know, the left works in like trendiness, whereas the right works in like things that are more eternal and like, um, you know, where the values stick throughout time. So um, that might, I don't know, maybe you have to have more of a like refined idea of things in order to appreciate like what the right's using, but the right, yeah, they just really don't have the creatives. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I haven't met them. Maybe that's not fair of me, but I do think there needs to be an image change where it's like, you don't have to be like, a stuck up Puritan to be conservative. Like you can still like, like colors and like art and pretty things and like be uh, more conservative. I think that needs to, uh, I mean, I'm definitely hopeful. Like I feel like the umbrella is getting a little bit bigger, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Especially with younger generations coming in and stuff. And, and I do see a change in that, um, aspect. Um, and it's funny to me that right now the institutions are so progressive that there's like that new meme of be a rebel, get married, have children, buy land, raise animals, which is like so rooted in traditional values. And it's become, you know, so against like the mainstream narrative that it's become rebellious. Mm -hmm. It's, it's completely wild. Like it's completely wild. So I was a feminist in large part because I, I kind of got the message that like having a family was the easy thing to do. Like that, that was easy. And if you want to be like a smart woman, you should have a career and like, you should like go to college and that makes you like, that's the hard thing to do. And that would really like prove yourself. And, um, I, I never, ever once was told like you like, or asked, do you want to be a mom one day? Like no one ever talked to me about motherhood. Um, really, I just got this kind of implicit message that like, mm, that's antiquated. Like, you know, women that are ambitious, like go to college and like do things like that. And then, you know, I'm 10 years in and I'm like, wait, I, I, I do want a family. Like this is like working all the time at a corporation. Isn't like, it's not that fulfilling. It's not fulfilling. Like, yeah. It's not fulfilling at all, you know? And like, I'm replaceable here. Like they could fire me. I get emails where they fire people all the time. And it's like, just like goodbye. And like a family won't do that to you. Um, you know, hopefully. Um, so I mean, in theory, with any luck. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, it's just like, I don't know. I really, I really want, Oh, I just want like to reach women in that place that I was in. I needed like someone who was like big sisterly to like, talk to me about these things. Um, and have reasons for being like a mother and a wife, because I, I think another thing is I was getting so much feminist, like propaganda through the computer and through college, um, that no, no one had like refutations. Like I didn't hear any you didn't arguments. Hear opposing views or opposing views. sides or anything. Yeah. And they sounded so smart and it sounded so like intellectual and just like intelligent and no one. And, and I asked, you know, my mom, like, why should I get married? And she'd go, I don't know. Cause like in her time, you just did that. They didn't need to like, think about it. Think about it being so deconstructed then, but I'm growing up in this like postmodern deconstructivist era where like 
everything's being like torn apart. And I needed like reasons to do these things because it wasn't, the culture wasn't just going to get me there. Um, so, you know, she didn't really have much to say. And, um, so I, that's why I hope like Evie is helping people. Cause we can be like, here, here's like rational ideas for. Yeah. I have this. those discussions where I think, and it, I, I think that's just a nature of being a person that you get this, um, you get like a program, you know what I mean? Or a formula. And this is what you follow. And mm -hmm. we tend to fall into those things because it's one less thing that we have to think about. The choice is kind of made for us. Um, and so back in the day, the choice was basically made for women. You should get married, stay home, have children, and that is your life. And then, you know, feminist movements came in and it's like, you're never going to really know your true self until you like leave the home and explore and find a job and everything. And it was just very either or mm -hmm. kind of mentality. And I'm hoping that right now we are coming into an era where I do not believe the lie that women can have it all. You know what I mean? No. And I don't believe that men can have it all either. The fact of the matter is, is that nobody can, you can't, you're only one human being. You can't do everything. Um, so it's an ass it we're, I'm hoping that we're coming into an era that we can encourage women that it is okay to choose what you want to do. You know what I mean? Like you're no lesser um, because you choose to work at first and maybe have a family later or because you choose to stay home and have a family. I mean, I have my views of what's the best, but that's not my, like, it's not my job to tell you what to do. Um, but I, I do get very frustrated that we were, we have been in such a long period of dismissing motherhood and dismissing, you know, the value of staying home and raising children. And now it's getting even progressively worse because we're just like getting rid of the concept of women in general. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, how far is this going to go? Like, I don't know. That's the thing. I'm like, you know, I, I grew up in a time when it was, it was way too careerist messaging for, for women. And I didn't get any motherhood messaging. And I had to like, go online and like find these circles where people were talking about this. And like, I, I found like mothers to talk to about it and, and things like that. And then, you know, now I'm like, from my position, I'm like watching how crazy it is. I can't even imagine being younger than I am now with what's going on with like oh, this birthing person stuff. It's probably so confusing for young girls. Like they're, they're like, what is it? Is it good to be a woman? Like, what does it even mean to be a woman? Cause like, it looks like men can be women. So like, what am I to make of myself? So I think that's a huge problem and someone needs to pump the brakes on that. Um, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do agree with you too, that like, uh, I got, we just, I got, I am kind of a centrist on it. Like we need balanced messaging. Like my grandma, for example, um, I think she, she never drove, she never really left her small town. And I think she wanted to, and she kind of, um, like would say that she, she grew up in the same house her whole life. And she kind of wanted to like, do other things and never got a chance to. And then there's me who's flown all over the world and like had the total opposite experience of her. Um, I don't have a family yet. And it's like, where's the balance between like, where's the sweet spot between like my grandma, like never leaving the house she grew up in and me like flying all over the world and like not having a family. Like it, there has to be some like middle ground here where women can like, you know, be outside the home and contribute meaningfully and like explore and also not completely sacrifice like, yeah, because we're on a clock too. That's the other thing. Yeah. Like nobody oh, wants to so acknowledge unfair. that we're on a clock. 
Yeah. And like, like and, and everyone told me, you know, wait till your thirties to do all this. And now I'm 30 and I'm like, I admit I'm like panicking a lot of the time. I'm like, I hope this gets sorted out. Cause I've got like 10 years, you know? And like, it, it's, it's just like, I feel a little, um, I guess victimized. I hate to say it, but like, I really do feel like older women weren't honest with me about this. Yeah. And, and, I, so. and I mean, victimized, like, it's just like an annoying word to use, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I think we all went through a period in an era, even myself, like I'm, I'm older than you are. Like I'm 42 years old. So I'm like, you're 42. On- you don't look it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm 30. Okay. <laughs> But like, I'm on the tail end of like the Gen X or I'm like the zillennial, you know what I mean? Where I'm straddling there, but we, I was totally in on it too. You know what I mean? So my curiosity here is like, so you did the feminism thing, right? And you've always been an artist, right? So do you feel that your views of feminism and now leaning more traditionalist has had an effect on your artwork and your, you know, your profession? Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause I, I know this kind of the biggest thing is I used to just paint like one woman. I did. I love portraiture. I would just paint kind of like one lady, like as a portrait. And then when my views changed, I started to really be drawn to wanting to paint a, mo- a mother and child. Um, and I had younger, but I kind of dropped it. And I just kind of noticed, I'm like, oh, I'm always painting like a woman just kind of by herself. Um, so I, I started to move towards like Madonna and child imagery. I think, um, that was probably the biggest change. And, um, but you know, my art was really an anchor, even when I was a feminist, like that was the thing I wasn't like, like, I remember thinking like, cause I was kind of brainwashed, like I should be political in my art, but like something was just like, don't like, don't make That's political fascinating. art. You almost felt guilty that you weren't being political with your art. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yeah. I was like, you should be making stuff about like, um, Chelsea women's Manning or, yeah, women's right. And like, I, and it was just like so, something guiding me. It was like, don't, and I never did. And so art was like kind of a weird anchor to something else. I think where like, I don't know. My art was a little more hippie, but like, it's nothing I'd like show it to people confidently and just be like, yeah, I was a little more like new age when I made this, but, um, you know, now it's more, my art's more Christian, but, um, that, you know, it was always more spiritual than political for me. So thank God. <laughs> Cause I would, I would be embarrassed. I think now you're like, just left well, it's like reading your diary back when you were 14 years old or whatever. And yeah. you're like, Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yes. My Twitter is a different story. My, like my Twitter history that changed, you know, but like my art it's, it's, you can pretty much look at it and be like, Oh, cute. So <laughs> nothing embarrassing. Well, I mean, I, I'm just curious. Like, do you think, let me think about this. Because culturally, people are becoming, I think, like, as a society, especially today, that culturally, we're becoming more subjective with our ideas. And and there's almost like a reluctance to embrace objective truths because you don't want to come off as being intolerant. You don't want to be called a name. You know, I, I think there's a lot of fear in that. Like, we're just kind of like the discomfort of being called something that we don't identify with, even if it's not true, Mm -hmm. like being in the art world and going from more liberal leftist views and feminist views. And now you're becoming more traditional. Did that happen slowly? And did you experience any pushback in the art art world because of that? Yeah. You know, I, I did lose a lot of like followers and like people who were maybe regular, like customers, like kind of 
that changed. Like it started to be like my audience of who was buying my art was different. Like now it's a lot of like dads, honestly, it's a lot of dads like buying stuff for their like kids or wives. Um, and then, uh, you know, that it used to be like young girls who are like 19 or 20, like buying a print of like a girl with like a third eye. <laughs> like, And so like, I, no one was mean actually. And I did retain a lot of people. Like they, they're like, Oh, you're painting Jesus now. That's cool. Like they didn't really care. But, um, I did notice like some people, I just don't see them around anymore, like liking my stuff. Um, but no one was really mean about it. Um, I have gotten like stupid comments, like you made Jesus the wrong skin color. And I'm like, I just don't like, don't even, I'm like, we're not even talking about that. That's ridiculous. Like, no, and, um, like, we're not making it okay. political. <laughs> like, so, um, so I just block, but, um, but yeah, for the most part, like people were, I don't know. I'm sure I wondered if anyone was like, what's going on with Amy? Like her stuff changed a lot, but well, like, it's just fascinating to me. Cause you know, I, I've, I, I, I guess when I was like much younger, I had uninformed feminist views because it, it was like the default. Like if you're a woman, you should be a feminist. And how dare you not be one if you're, you know, you're going against your own gender if you're not, which that whole argument, especially now, maybe we could have had that argument during the suffrage. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and maybe a little bit like back in the 60s, like 50s and 60s and stuff like that in some aspects, but like today, n- no shut up. You are just like mm. looking for something to be oppressed about. Like, right. <laughs> calm down. <laughs> right. Cause I don't think feminism even, even stands for women anymore. Like we were just talking about, like they're, they're too inclusive. You can be too inclusive. Like if, like if you have a movement that's like, you know, I don't know. It just seems like the, the boundaries are, are off. Like it's ironic. I think you actually have more freedom within boundaries. Like it's, it's like a paradox. Like you need boundaries in order to like have, like I'm freer, like in my house with walls than if the walls were gone. And I was just like in, in the middle of the street, you know, like I couldn't express myself as much like. Well, and I think there's an argument. I mean, I think that's a kind of a good analogy because there's a difference between like being in a prison that you've been forced into and not True. having any freedom, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Versus like there is a societal like understanding your house your structure where you're free to really do whatever you want within this space under some parameters and again it's because when you kind of just like lose all rules and just allow for chaos you're really opening yourself uh you're making yourself very vulnerable to being essentially like taken out and and that's where the idea of like the feminist movement could very well be too inclusive to the point where you're getting rid of women and the idea (laughs) of women. And like the fact that there's even people online is like, well, what is a woman? Can you even define it? I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's far. It's far. And I was in that mindset a little bit. Like I was a little like in that kind of postmodern like thinking for a while. Um, and I, I just had to get out. It's like very strong brainwashing. I think it's very strong. And, um, I don't know. It's sad to me. Cause it's like, I just read this book, um, called irreversible damage by Abigail Schreier. I have that one on my shelf. It's like the next one of, if I can sit down with my ADHD long enough to actually read a book. <laughs> I read it on a plane, so I didn't have the internet. I was like, I can focus. So I totally understand why it's hard. Um, but you know, she was kind of saying that these like young girls are, there's so many issues like affecting young girls. And this is why they don't really see any value in being 
young women anymore is, you know, they're look one big thing I didn't realize is they're looking at violent porn online. Like, cause everyone has a smartphone. So like they see these horrible images, things happening to women. And they're like, well, if that's what a woman's treated, like, I don't want to be like that. So maybe I'm like non-binary or trans or something. And like, they're getting scared away from like womanhood through that. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. that um, one, Cause I, I mean, I, the whole issue there is there's like this push to remove any kind of innocence or uh, from like adolescents and children. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As if they're, they're just fully aware of the ideas and able to process these very complex ideas. And I think about myself, like I said, I'm a Gen Xer. And I think about when I was 14 years old and really, especially, I think there's not enough of an understanding of when young women are between those ages of like 13 and 15, especially that you're so full of all of these hormones and emotions that, and you're, and women, I think naturally are very egalitarian. You know what I mean? We don't Mm -hmm. tend to like, we kind of want everybody to be fair and the same. And when someone starts to push up, like the hierarchy isn't really respected. You know what I mean? Which is kind of like where the mean girl iconography comes from. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's someone that she's just trying to pull everyone down and keep everyone at her level or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there was a time that there was like pregnancy packs. There was, um, what do you call, uh, oh my gosh, anorexia, you know, like where Mm -hmm. like groups of young girls because somebody else was doing it, the others would start to do it. And it is a consistent trend through generations with young women. I've seen it primarily with eating disorders and also 15 year olds all agreeing to to like lose their virginity at the same time. Like this was a thing when I was younger, which I was like, you're freaking crazy. Why would you do that? Yeah. And it's again, I believe that because young women are so susceptible and so easily influenced with their peers at that time that we're kind of having this sudden influx of teenage girls, um, which is what Abigail Schreier talks about. And I, I just can't, you know, my heart breaks for them. And specifically when we're talking about young women, because you feel uncomfortable as a young woman and you think that that being uncomfortable, like with your body is you know, you're finding that the solution to that on social media is this gender dysphoria when we're not even hundred percent sure that's what it is. Right. Exactly. And the, the book, uh, you should really read it. It's just, it also goes into how, like you said, young women are socializing each other through social media, which has just been brutal on young girls. Right. Um, cause you know, when I was growing up, if I knew people hung out without me, I'd feel crappy. But now on social media, you get to see pictures of it. And like, it's a whole nother level of just like feeling, you know, insecure. Um, so, you know, this book basically says that um, these women, these young girls are socializing each other. And then the adults are kind of just like ushering it along. Like oh, this whole medical apparatus is like, oh yeah, absolutely. We're not even going to question how you feel. Like you need pills and surgery. Yeah. Through affirmative care. Yeah. Affirmative care. It's severe. I didn't really realize how severe it was until I read this book. Um, so, you know, and she, her solution at, at the end, she kind of says like, we need to like celebrate girlhood and womanhood and, and make sure women know it's a, it's a young girls know it's a good thing. And like, like, you know, 
I guess a little sexism. You might call it sexist, but it's like say what's good about being the sex, and then like young girls will feel better about it, you know. And um, that's funny that you put it that way, because um, that's usually like seen as such a negative term. But I don't I, think it I, has to be. Yeah. It doesn't have to be if you are just trying to acknowledge, like not trying, but if you're just acknowledging the differences between men and women and that, you know, these differences exist, they are okay. And what I always find very interesting about this postmodern like blurring of the lines between genders movement, which I think is a different aspect. I'm, I'm specifically talking about this gender ideology aspect, which is I think completely separate from legitimate trans issues and people who suffer from gender dysphoria. Like right. I am not including them in this conversation. We're talking about the trend. Yeah. Yes. I'm talking about like the trend in general is that they're so staunch on what is feminine or masculine that they're almost creating more rules. So like, for example, mm. I, if I had been around at 14 years old right now, I was a tomboy. I was a huge yes. tomboy. I still consider myself to be a bit of a tomboy. I'm just like a more, you know, delicate tomboy because I'm older. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like my mom thought I was going to be a nun or something because I was, you know, always in jeans. I like buttoned my collar up to the top. Like it was just the way I was. And I was very tomboyish and like hanging out, going out, climbing trees. Well, today the idea is that if or the, there's arguments, let me just say that if a girl presents with those types of things, that maybe they're actually masculine or maybe they're non-binary. And the same thing goes for males, that maybe if a male is a little bit more sensitive or has some more feminine attributes, it's like automatically that they are therefore women. As opposed to maybe you're just a dude that's more sensitive and maybe you're a chick that likes to climb trees. You know what I mean? Right. Totally. Yeah. I actually, yeah, it is actually more rigid in ways. I, I contend that like most people are a mix of masculine and feminine. I don't think that makes people like non-binary or anything, but like, like I have a, I can be a kind of like a masculine girl. Like I, you know, like I have a lot of opinions and stuff and maybe that's a masculine trait. Um, but then I'm like super girly in appearance. So you know, everyone is kind of a little bit of both. I don't think we need to like pathologize it like the way that the, the medical establishment and the, like the mainstream is pathologizing it. Like, oh, you must like need all this medical care. Like we have such a medicalized society, which is another issue I don't need to get into, but like everything is just being made into like unnecessary, like medicalization. Um, I think, and when it can just be like, this is just how human beings are. Like they go through phases and things like that. And that's fine. It's no cause for alarm, you know? <laughs> Okay. So we've talked about women and feminism and art and, and just how, like, I, do you see that there is a relationship maybe between like the destruction of beauty and, um, what is perceived like in society and it, it's lending itself to people like devaluing tra traditional femininity because we're just kind of trying to create this whole free for all. Yeah, I think that's a good connection because I think actually maybe women do kind of uphold like beauty standards and like, you know, like you were saying, you like to do decor. I do too. And like, you know, women are into like making aesthetics and like making things pretty. The more we like make everything like, you know, uh, postmodern and deconstructed, like as you deconstruct the feminine, you start to deconstruct beauty because women are typically like what, who holds the beauty standards? You know, men are more 
generally speaking, like utilitarian and like make sure it works. Doesn't really have to be that pretty. Not, not every man, but I'm just speaking generally here. So I think that, yeah, you could probably draw a connection between like eroding uh, femininity erodes beauty standards. Then that leads into like the art world as well. Um, where, you know, art just gets uglier and uglier and more, more shocking instead of like uplifting. Um, Roger Scruton has a great documentary about this. I have to plug him every time I talk about art. Um, I think it's called beauty. Is it why it matters? You would find it easily, but he, he talks a lot about like what has happened and, and how, uh, art has just eroded and eroded and eroded. And you see it everywhere in architecture and in fine art as well. And, um, yeah, it's all just schools of thought. It's all just the way people are thinking. Like, yeah, well, and I almost wonder sometimes because I watched recently. Oh my gosh, I was watching some documentary. I think it was actually it was on Netflix. I can't remember the name of it, but it was about the con men or something like that. And it was there was a. I think it happened both with wine and with artwork, but there was somebody essentially making artwork, and it was almost the value of art increased exponentially because it was more about the exclusivity or about the being the status of it. You know what I mean? Mm. About being Mm -hmm. able to say that I got this, I have this name, whoever's up and coming. And I wonder if in the artwork, like, I don't know how tied in you are into it, or if you've had this experience in the past, but that the value of art is possibly more tied to the influence or, you know, the name and the marketing now of that artist versus the actual artwork. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's highly commercialized. Like if it's just like, I don't know if you know Jeff Koons, but his art's horrible. It's not even art in my opinion. It's like (laughs) weird sculptures and stuff. And his stuff sells for millions of dollars just because it's his name. And he, he doesn't even make, I know somebody who actually used to work for this man. I'm just like, outing him, but he'll never know who I am. Um, he doesn't even make his own pieces. Like he has like a whole team of, of people. Um, and then they put his name on it, but his hands aren't touching anything that he makes. And, um, I just find that really, uh, bizarre. And, um, yeah, it's all the, the, the mainstream art world. It's like, it's such a, it's just such a, it's so fake, you know, everything's fake. I'm pretty independent. I'm not even, I don't really even work with galleries. I just like sell it individually to people and do commissions that way. But, um, it's, yeah, you can just tell like, and a lot of it is money laundering too. Like, Oh yes, that I do know. (laughs) Like it's hiding like drug money and dirty money and stuff behind like, like through appraisals or something. I'm not really sure how it works, but they basically just say, this is worth this much. And then it is, and you don't really have to pay taxes on it. So a lot of it is like covering up like bad money. Um, so it's pretty corrupt, which is sad. Um, if you want to find anything like, like beautiful and precious, like you, you have to like, it, it's going to be an independent artist or somebody that's like not well-known. Like, I think that's where the good stuff is being made. Um, it's just and that's like, sad because I mean, honestly, yeah. especially now, I think in almost the entire realm of like creativity, even when we're talking about like, I don't want to get on a side tangent or whatever, but you know, you talk about like YouTube creators, you talk about video creators, any type, any type of creativity has been taken up by corporations and by marketing. And, you know, they determine, be it through an algorithm or be it through a publishing or PR agency, it's them and their connections that are determining what is worth and has value and is worth like being seen. 
and mm-hmm. it's being gatekeeped essentially. And I think it's really sad because it makes it very hard for independent artists in every medium to really kind of like bust through and make a name for themselves unless they get connected with the right person. Yeah. And like, it, it's actually made it, maybe it's a good thing because it has made it so that less and less my goal is like, I don't really have the goal of like people knowing my name. I just want to like make art and get and like get it out to people because it seems to make them happy. So like in that way, it's like, oh, I'm glad I'm like looking at how corrupt this is because maybe I don't feel the pressure to like compete there because it's like not a good industry anyway. So it's like, okay, like, I don't even want that. You know, I just want to like make art for like my friends and family and people that reach out to me online and like, so, but it's, it, and then you can make money like without that big name, you know, I, there's this misconception that like art, there's no money in art. Maybe it is hard to make, it, it's hard, but there's not no money in art. Like I, I, I make a good supplement to my day job with my art, you know, it's like, it's like a part-time job. Um, so I also want to like get rid of that misconception where people just say like, you're absolutely going to like make no money at this. Like people want to buy art. They do. Um, so I hope that's encouraging because I struggled with that starting out. I was like, is this even worth it? Like, does anyone care? But people care and, um, and they'll support you. Like, cause there are people, I, I think I have this like theory, like God puts artists in the world and then people who like art and then they like have a symbiotic relationship with like, they'll support you in making that cause they admire it and you're helping them. And yeah, I like that idea. And I think that's very encouraging, especially, you know, um, to people that aren't that don't follow that, you know, you know, the, we're just bombarded with this messaging from the left of what we should be doing, as opposed to what we feel called to do and what we feel we have like purpose, um, to do. So I appreciate that you like share that and, and hopefully it'll inspire someone that is artistic and that is listening to this to venture out into that. But um, we, I'm going to go ahead and wrap us up so you can, we can continue on with our day. Um, but where can everybody, like, if they want to follow you, if they want to find you, if they want to buy your art and support you, where can they find you? I have a website and it's um, amy-the-artist.com. Um, and I'm on Twitter as just Amy, the artist. That's pretty easy to find. I try, I'm trying to keep my last name a little more off the internet, but it's kind of a done deal. Um, so the best places to follow me are are Twitter and Instagram and to, to view my website. And, um, my Instagram is kind of annoying. It's Amy two underscores, the underscore artist, uh, because I will provide links in (laughs) the show notes so everybody can follow you. And also I would highly recommend that you visit her articles. You have quite a few articles on Evie magazine. She has great stuff over there. And, uh, thank you so much, Amy, for spending some time, uh, diving into like some heavy topics, but just speaking honestly and, and sharing your story. Thank you. Thank you. I love how much ground we covered. It was so much fun. I love to talk about this stuff. Sometimes I worry about like, I do these episodes because like the conversations are like fast and furious, but (laughs) I just really want it to be like, that's how like ladies talk and that's an honest conversation. You know what I mean? It's good energy. I love your energy. I think it's great. So I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, anytime you want to come back, you are welcome. Thank you. For sure. For sure. Thanks so much for listening to It's Miss Sadie, honest conversations for freedom-minded women. You can find the show notes for this episode at itsmissady.com. And if you're loving the podcast, I would be so honored if you would go ahead and hit that subscribe button and leave me a five-star review. And if you would like to have conversations like this with other freedom-minded women, visit libertasisters.com and community of women 
founded on the values of femininity, self-reliance, and freedom. You can also connect with me on Instagram at It's Miss Sadie or join my email list. Until next time, stay free and stay honest.